Welcome to the STL Soccer Report, brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. It's STL Soccer Report. This is just Phil. I'm alone today, minus Spencer. So I'm going to do my best to keep things short as we will not have much diversity of uh, of conversation and styles here. So, um, yeah, let me give you the lineup for the day and we'll just jump right in. We're going to talk a little bit about the Open Cup game versus Michigan Bucks first. And then we're going to talk to Evan Villela of the uh, Eastern Confidential Eastern Conference Confidential podcast. That is another podcast from the Beautiful Game Network, my network, his network. And um, we're going to talk to him a little bit about Bethlehem Steel coming to town on Sunday. We have a Sunday early evening after late afternoon game at four o'clock here, Central Time, playing Bethlehem Steel. It's I know early on uh, the team was a little worried about the heat that day because not only will the the bleachers maybe get hot from the sun depending on the weather on Sunday. Today was beautiful, but it could be pretty dang hot by the time Sunday rolls around. Uh, but not to mention that um, they may also have problems with turf, which gets extremely hot when the sun is pounding down on it. And so the players could have a, a tough time playing in uh you know, midday heat isn't as isn't as bad as like early afternoon heat around two or three o'clock. I work outside in the sun quite often. That's when it gets bad, really bad. So um, that four o'clock could be pretty dang hot. And uh, not only should we come prepared, but the team will have to deal with that. Both sides, luckily. Uh, maybe we'll get a, a hydration break. Uh, that said, we're going to end the conversation, the show tonight, talking a little bit about Toronto FC and what we saw there. Uh, but let's jump into the game about uh, Michigan Bucks. We won 2-1. to one. Both of our goals came from Sebastian Dalgard, uh, doing his best job scoring all year. He's got nothing, uh, which is a little bit of a surprise. He is playing on the wing. Sometimes he plays uh, under the striker as a number 10 when there's a lone striker up top. And he looks good, and he looks uh, dangerous in that role. Uh, He hasn't looked super dangerous on the wing. Um, He had a really good chance in this Toronto game. Uh, We'll talk about that later. But he ended up getting two goals, early goals, made it a lot easier for the team, uh, scoring, I think, in the 12th minute and the 16th minute, something like that uh, from Delgard. So um, he did a really good job, looked good. The team in general looked like a team from Division Two playing Division Four. Um, that's the way it's supposed to look. Uh, we, it looked a little more dangerous in the second half, but but still, that first half, we looked dominant. Every player looked better versus Division Four than um, even our starters look against Division Two and up. Uh, so that's you know that's the way it's supposed to be. It was nice to not get too nervous in this game, whereas in at Wichita, we were very nervous. And so a few thoughts about that being, I wonder if you can just shore up a team like Wichita has a good coach. They're well coached. the t- The players are the players are talented, but I wonder if you can just kind of shore up your defense as a Division Four team shore up the midfield, have somewhat of a good striker. But if you have just one or two guys like Wichita did, those those wingers for Wichita, both were indoor World Cup, it's not World Cup, but yeah, no, indoor World Cup U.S. national team players. 
Uh, granted, it's indoor, but those guys were legitimately dangerous against us. They looked very good. Anytime they hit us on the counter, which they did their homework and knew that counterattacking was the best way to get us. Maybe that's a tactic all the time, but either way, uh, they looked good counterattacking us. And when those guys got the ball, they were very dangerous, fast, direct, got their shots on goal, even if they didn't go in. So, um, you know, that team was really dangerous. The Bucks had one really solid player in Francis Atuahane. Uh, a Ghanaian uh, guy who's going to school at Michigan University. Uh, we talked about him on Slack with the BGN Network guys, the BGN guys, and uh, everyone seems to think this kid has a very bright future. So bright that Evan even mentioned something like saying uh, that he might get grabbed before he even makes it to the MLS draft. I think he's a sophomore at Michigan right now. So uh, that's a guy to keep an eye on. You guys saw that goal if you watched that game. It was a banger from outside the box, hit it like waist height. I, I think it was a first time touch on a ball that bounced up. Um, it was a long over the top direct ball, uh, somewhat of a, of a counter. Just uh, he did a great job. He looked like a pro putting a good final finish ball into the net past our keeper, starting keeper at that in Dave Ligoric. So um, that's a kid to keep an eye on. A few other notes. Just going to list off some things here. The ref was very good. <laughs> Against Wichita, we had a really troublesome ref. Um, I made I th- put as many compliments in about the ref in that game against Michigan because I thought he did a stellar job. Um, our fullbacks looked very effective against Division Four teams. I believe one was Howe and the other one, oh no, I'm going to blank. Um, it was probably Sheldon. Um, I mean, they looked, it was Sheldon. They looked really good. They looked effective going forward and they didn't seem to get in too much trouble in defending. Even Ryan Howe, who you can kind of get nervous when he goes one-on-one for some reason, was so solid in the preseason and has struggled a little bit in the, in the, in the real season. Um, we could talk about that, but I think we'd rather move on and talk about how for some reason, St. Louis we don't use the counterattack. It just doesn't happen. Sometimes if they get a turnover midfield, everyone will break for the goal, the opposing goal at that point. But for the most part, if we get the ball in our own third, we'll take our time controlling the ball, um, possessing the ball, good passes, good possession, um, good pass percentage, trying to get that, that final pass into the box for a goal. Um, and we've struggled doing that all year. So some things I noticed, how the counterattack was used in this game to good effect by St. Louis. Uh, the Bucks also were trying to use the counterattack. And so for a while there, after we realized it was working, both teams were just going, excuse me, going back and forth, back and forth, just running their butts off, trying to get to the other half before the other team can defend against it. So it got a little bit kind of boring. It was like a foot race for a little while. But, um, you know, the game started good. And the game ended good in that it ended well in that uh, Michigan got a lot more dangerous in the attack. Uh, really had to uh, the guys for St. Louis had to really step up their game in that second half uh, to defend away. Which, uh, from what I've heard, uh, I believe those announcers were talking about how the Bucks tend to be best in the second half all season. Uh, so unfortunately for them, Dalgard got two goals early, uh, but we will take that. And you know the boys defended. Only let one goal in in the first half and and defended everything out in the second half. 
Um, so there's that. And here's the other thing. And we're going to talk about this a little bit with Toronto because it did get better at home. But when the guys are away, we are getting the ball. We're possessing the ball. We're doing a much better job completing our passes. Our percentage is going up with every game that we play. But for some reason, when we're away, we have to find some other way to win than possessing the ball and getting that final pass into the box for a goal. And even even turnovers in the midfield have been a little bit low when we're away. And so we're seeing a lot of direct balls over the top, which isn't you know what you expect. But when you're away, you do things like that. Um, the counterattack worked against the Bucks, and I personally would love to see more of that when we're away. And so I'm kind of curious if we're going to see a little more of that when we're away. I kind of hope so. Not sure Precky wants to do it. Um, or maybe he was just saving it up for later in the season. I don't know. But when we're away, we're having a hard time getting to that final third, getting that final pass. I don't know how many times, even against the Bucks, where we got to that just outside the box and we're kind of passing it side to side, looking for that guy um, to make that penetrating run into the box. And I don't know how many times I would see Angulo or or Stoikov get the ball and just kind of look, 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 try to find someone to pass to. No one's moving. I mean, no one's even trying to find space to run into. And the ball ends up getting turned over when they try to force something. And, and, and we just don't get that final third, that final pass into the box. And, and um, I've heard a couple announcers mention that, you know, even Precky, Precky mentioned it in the in the post game interview, uh, the game before the Michigan Bucks. I'm blanking on on who that was, um, but he said the guys need to work for each other out there. Once the ball gets outside the box, we need that final pass. The guys need to run for each other as a team. Really cool to hear Precky phrase it that way. Hear how um, he wants his team to work for each other, uh, to have heart and play with passion in that way, and maybe as a reflection on his motivation as a player and why he was so successful. But um, he mentioned that. And so it was easy to kind of look for that in the following games and not see it. And I just cannot figure out why, you know, these guys want goals. We, Valeski is, is gone a little bit cold except for this last game. And Angulo has been hot. Surely these guys want to pile up goals and, and look good to move up to the next level. But why are they not making that final run? The multiple runs in the box. Are they tired or they don't want to wear out too soon? My final thought after I thought about it for two weeks now, a couple of days ago, I had a thought that maybe they're scared or they're being coached to not lose their defensive shape. St. Louis, like like I said, the counterattack works on us. And so part of that is throwing all your guys forward. Well, also part of that is if you're defending with the ball, as Precky likes to say, you're holding on to that ball, not giving the other team many chances to attack. Um, once you do turn over that ball, you still need to have a defensive shape of sorts to be able to try to not let that, that counterattack be dangerous. So I'm wondering if there's this give and take, this pull where the guys really want to attack, but they're scared to make too many runs or too many guys make a run at the same time, or we totally lose defensive shape the other team counterattacks and they get an easy goal from us not being able to defend anything. So that's something I was curious about and I hope to be able to fit in. I do finally get to go to this game on Sunday um, and I'll get to ask some questions in the post game. I hope to mention that exact thing in the post game interview. 
Um, that's all I wanted to say about that game. And I'm going to sign off so we can talk to Evan Valella about the game coming up on Sunday against Bethlehem Steel. Uh, but while I'm on the topic, I have missed a lot of games this season. And the main reason is years ago, I joined a cover band or a couple years ago um, before I actually thought I'd, I'd kind of stick with this and do it every week or every other week like I've been doing it lately. And so I have this this time constraint where I'm in a cover band called the Lone Rangers. We play 90s music and usually our games are on or our gigs are on Fridays and Saturdays as our home games. And so um, I just have these obligations where I can't go to every single game. But I, I do try to watch the game once or twice before I podcast about it. And we do have Spencer, who's almost always at the game now. So we do get both uh, perspectives, but I wanted to be uh, fully forward with all of you that I don't always go to the actual game. Um, I wish I could, but I don't want to let my guys down either. So there's a little bit of a give and take there. And I wanted to be honest about it. That's all I have to say about that. Uh, Let's take a small short break here. And we're going to come back with Evan Valella of Eastern Conference Confidential, also of the Beautiful Game Network. Hang with us for a second. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back. I'm on the line right now with Evan Valella, uh, famous from the Eastern Conference Confidential. I know everyone who listens to this listens to that show, and if they don't, they should. Evan, thanks for joining me tonight, man. How are you doing? I'm great. Phil, I got to say, you didn't ask me before we started recording how to say my last name, but you absolutely nailed it dead on. So congratulations. Listen, if I do homework about nothing else, <laughs> it's about pronunciation of last names, which is a good skill to have on uh, the St. Louis it FC is. team. Yeah, yeah. No, and that's not always true, actually. There's a couple new players. I still am not sure how to pronounce it, but I got some good guesses, and I'm pretty okay. sure I'm more right than most of the people who attempt it, so I'll mm, take that. That is, see, as long as you can be more right than anybody else, it's fine. <laughs> it's my main goal in life. You know, I like to lord it over them, especially. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Um, well, you got in t- contact with me today. I'm so last minute all the time, and uh, you were like, hey, let's talk, and you were available tonight, and here we are. Um, oh, we're here. We got a little bit of a game coming up this uh, Sunday, right? It's a Sunday game. Which is weird. Yeah, yeah, Sunday night. Um, but, a little bit. But yeah, this is the first time these two teams are going to face each other. Uh, you guys started last year as an affiliate of Philadelphia Union. At least started again for the second time, right? Yeah, I, hey man. <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like, you know, they took the lineage of the team, but it hadn't been around since pretty much anybody on the face of the earth has been alive. Uh <laughs> So it's it's a little weird when people ask me about like the the first Bethlehem Steel that was around from from 1904 to 1911, um, because the the union have kind of taken up the mantle um, and then you know they kind of gave it to this this second iteration of Bethlehem Steel. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it's a long story short. We're a two team, but we play in a different market, and we uh, are not Philadelphia Union too. So that's that's nice. Yeah, which is in my opinion the best way to to work it. I'm hoping. Every two team ends up working that way, but who knows with this division three coming up, it may not go that way, but sure. Um, cool. Well, let's talk about our teams. Let's get that part going. Cause we got some fun stuff to talk about at the end here. 
Um, let's talk about your team and kind of what they're like. Um, I keep hearing the phrase athletic squad being bounced around when being talked about you guys. Okay. And so I've got a thing in mind of what that might be, but looking at the stats, it kind of proved it wrong. I'm going to let you, the expert, (laughs) tell me what you think Uh, your team is like. Now I want to know what, what you think that means. Cause I, that's kind of the first I'm, I'm very, uh, I'm around the team all my t- all the time, so I don't get to ask other people what they think about the team, right. other than after I, I play them. So just to kind of hear an athletic sweat. Would okay. you first of all, let's just start with: Would you say they're one of the most athletic teams in the uh, USA? Because that's what I keep hearing. Um, I in positions, yes. Mm-hmm. I, like as a whole, I don't necessarily like. We're not like a Red Bull two or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess we'll play. <laughs> it's. It's a it's a it's a four two three one it's a four three three kind of thing. It's the same thing the first team plays. So the organization as a whole plays one system from from the academy from like the the U twelve U thirteens all the way up to the first team. That way, you know, easier moving parts come in. They know what they're doing. They know what's expected of them. Um, for for USL purposes, what that means is we really like possession and we really like to pass the ball. Um. In terms of athletic guys, I think uh, Chris Nanko is ridiculously fast and is unlucky to not be in the goal column this season. Uh, Marcus Epps is deceptively fast and really good on the ball when he's not trying to take on three defenders at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and if Callum Irving wasn't in net for Ottawa last week, he would have had a goal or two. Um, and then and what positions are we going to see those guys at? So wingers? those guys are on the wings mm-hmm. and then there's other guys, uh, Seiku Kone is like, you know, pretty much your, your prototypical striker. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, uh, he's gotten, I think 12 appearances for the Liberian national team and he's only 21. Um, nice. we'll talk about this a little bit later, but fortunately you won't see Corey Burke. who's going to be away with Jamaica. Um, who's been rejuvenated which is weird to say because he was on loan last year to us uh out wide but then you have guys like uh like james chambers who's a big beastie irishman who gets mad a lot and really likes to pass the ball around and then um we have a we have a really really young defense uh matt real and mark mckenzie are only 18 and 17 or 18 and 19 i always get corrected on real's age because i always forget it um, but those are two, uh, two former Academy kids. Mark is going to Wake Forest and Matt is, uh, is signed to Bethlehem. So definitely look out for those two guys. Cause they don't play like they're 18. Cool. And then there's a, uh, outside chance to see Austin trustee as well. Uh, who, uh, I, I guess this will just segue in. I was talking about international appearances. Yeah. Well, actually that's what I want to kind of clarify what I was thinking when I heard athletic too, was, sure. was, yeah, uh, please was I just assumed you were going to be kind of a counterattacking team when I first heard that a few times that you were okay. just, you know, it would just be a race back and forth if that's the way the game went. But yeah, the, but then I looked at your stats and you guys, you do, you pass the ball a lot. And you yeah. Know. So, uh, just because it's fresh against Ottawa in the first half, 72% possession mm-hmm. with like 253 passes completed. Yeah. Um, so uh, we, not that we can't counterattack because we, we can. Um, and if you guys play a high back line, like Harrisburg did, you're in for not a great time. 
Yeah. Well, um, it's it's been a proven strategy against us actually to counterattack because we just yeah. send everybody forward. So I imagine sure. we will see a lot of that in my Yeah, uh, and and there has been games that open up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think in the USL a lot of times it comes down to you know, okay, well we're going to play this way and there's, you know, Cincinnati plays this way and Bethlehem plays this way and Tampa plays this way and, and Rochester plays this way. So it's not so much that there's surprises when it comes to, to tactics and game day kind of stuff, but it's just whoever can kind of impose their game on the other team ends up with, with the win more than anything. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And and it just hasn't been going our way lately. But um, sure. but no, I completely agree with that more so than in the West the last year, I mm. would say. Uh, yeah, and, and that's kind of funny because I know, you know, this is the first time we've talked, well, the, the second time we've talked, but the first time we've talked specifically about these two clubs, and it's it's the first time we've ever met, and for a lot of people, you know, maybe out this way who don't know, you guys were actually in the Western Conference last year. Right. Um, so you have this weird kind of, you really know who everyone in the league is and how they play and you can sort of compare the two conferences uh maybe just talk about you know a little bit i'm hijacking your show this is fun uh (laughs) a little bit about um you know kind of that switch from from west to east um just because you know this year i think was the first year they've ever done kind of um interleague play if you will between east and west with toronto and phoenix and then a couple others Yeah. And I think what I always end up saying, and I think most people do say when they talk about this topic is it is the parody in the West is so much closer. I mean, everyone's kind of copying everybody and um, no one really it's like you don't play anyone that that you see pulling away the entire season. You know, mm-hmm. so it's almost like almost like MLS in Seattle where, you know, you, you might have guessed that they were going to lose zero percent chance of them going to the playoffs um, and then they just go on a good run and they win were they Mm -hmm. the best team all season were they head and shoulders above everybody else not necessarily it's just that was the right time for them i felt that way about swope park rangers last year for sure okay when they went on that run yeah yeah because they were Um, bad in the beginning of the season we beat them hand right well and even even over on over on the eastern side of things last year a really good example fc montreal who was absolutely dreadful in the first half yeah. uh rest in peace um but then you know the second half of the season it's like all right these guys are like winning games um not you know not enough to make any noise like Swope park did but um yeah and then you know obviously as you've seen this year the east is just super top heavy um the parody does kind of kick in i think right now like four through through nine or, or pretty much everything up to like four down from the table are pretty tight right now but uh yeah and, and definitely I, one through three are just just killing it yeah and i would say you see more and maybe this is just me growing as, as a watching you know a soc- a guy that's watching a lot more soccer um last year i was a lot less experienced but i would say there's more tactical changes in the east more so than in the west is, is you know little tweaks here and there yeah it could also so, be that i'm watching Preki versus you know our last coach too but right and well and i think some of the pedigree for these coaches in the East seems to be a little bit higher. You know, like over here, you have your John Walniaks, you have your, um, your, uh, your Brants in Pittsburgh, your Bill Betcher who's been in the league forever in Harrisburg, um, Alan Koch and, and, uh, previously John Harks in, in Cincinnati. There's a lot of guys, um, and, 
your Paul Dio Glicias. I could, I mean, I could go on. Louisville City but guy. It's really been right. There. Right. There's a, there's a lot of coaches in the Eastern conference who seem to really understand the game. And, and not only that, but really take pride in, in developing players. Yeah. And, and playing, you know, soccer the right way, quote, right. quote. So right. yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's why it's actually a lot more fun this year to talk to guys um, about the tactics that we will see and, sure. and even to sit here and wonder how it could look different on game day. It's not right. something I used to kind of talk about. So, <laughs> <laughs> But you know, you mentioned uh, Austin Trusty, who is yes. of under 20 World Cup fame now because he scored that God. late goal against, God. why am I blanking on? Uh, New Zealand. Sorry, New Zealand. Thank the, you. Made it five nothing. Yeah, so let's talk about your under-20, guys. We're very proud of Josh Sargent here, as everybody knows. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you guys have Austin Trusty and Derek Jones, who I loved watching in that tournament. So tell me about those guys. I got really spoiled last year um, because DJ was the first guy to come up through the academy. And um, our academy guy at Brotherly Game, Matt Ralph, and a bunch of other people were like, you got to – you got to watch Derek. You got to watch Derek. You got to watch Derek. He's phenomenal on the ball. Um, even, even Jim Curtin, the, the union coach said that sometimes he'll, he'll dribble and he, he kind of, you know, cringes a little bit, but Derek comes out with the ball. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I really, I don't think you're going to see Jonesy on, on Sunday. You might, there's a chance the union aren't playing and, and he will be around. Um, and then, uh, then trusty, um, Oh, and it should be said that Derek Jones got all that playing time because uh, Gideon Zellalem went down, yeah. uh, which is unfortunate. But it's, you know, one of my guys took his place, so I'm not too broken up about it. I don't know. After watching Zellalem's beginning of that game, I was actually yeah. kind of happy with the change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm biased because I, I think Derek is has the potential to be one of the best midfielders in the country. But um, And then Derek, or uh, sorry, Austin, um, another homegrown. Both those guys are homegrowns. For the union um kind of flew under the radar on the u20 tournament i actually got really mad at tab ramos for not playing him the last time trusty got selected hmm. um just because I, I think he's another guy that can really um contribute uh smart with the ball can can pass out of the back uh scored a hell of a goal for no reason against new zealand <laughs> but when you're up for nothing at that point you might as well have a shot from outside the box oh, um yeah, definitely but yeah no two guys uh couldn't be happier with how they played. Um, it's always really cool to see some of my guys from Bethlehem or, or even, you know, now that they're, it, it's cool to see guys go from Bethlehem to the first team, but it's, it's really cool to see guys to go from, from Bethlehem to the first team to the national teams. Um, and, and Derek and Austin are, are two examples of what kind of Bethlehem is supposed to do in a way. Yeah, most definitely. And, and the, uh, obviously the academies below, um, yes. What is it? One Academy that mainly feeds everybody. What is it called? It, it is the it is the Philadelphia Union Academy. Okay, it's um, actually called Philadelphia Union. It is so. There is a um, there's a building about half an hour from where I live, actually, out kind of in a, in like a Greater Philadelphia area, and one of the Union minority owners, uh, Richie Graham, uh, built this huge. Uh, it's called YSC, and it's uh, it's what is it? Uh, two full size pitches indoors, and then another three, I think outdoor and there's an actual um education part of the academy where they they teach kids and get them their high school degrees wow. um 
so they take care of all the academics and these kids just play soccer. Um, and I'm trying to think, uh, if you see Dawson McCartney this weekend, he's an Academy kid. Uh, Anthony Fontana last year, uh, who you might see again, he, uh, he had a leg injury, which I, I might get a little bit of trouble for saying, but hmm. he's fine now. Uh, he was 16 last year, came on for Marisa Du after like 30 minutes in one game during the summer and uh, absolutely outplayed Mo, which is kind of funny. Um, Unexpected. But, uh, I don't know. <laughs> expected, but like still kind of funny and also just a really good story because he, he you know, could have went to, to class at YSC this year at the beginning and go, oh, yeah, I got something from Mo. <laughs> um, no, but the, the Philadelphia Union Academy, um, it's ran by Tommy Wilson, who's an ex-Glasgow Rangers uh, Academy guy. Um, they put a ton of money in this thing. It's paying dividends now for sure. Uh, with Trusty and, and Jonesy and Fontana and Dawson McCartney and um, Chris Shakes and there's there's a ton of guys coming up through this academy. It's uh, it is one system. It's it's one academy. There's there's two others. Uh, Westchester United SC that has a, a NPSL team actually, and then um, Continental uh, FC Continental Delco is the full name that kind of feed into the Union Academy, but the Union Academy itself operates as one thing. And uh, it's taken a while because it's a little hard to form an academy um, right away and, and kind of have guys be eligible because the wonky MLS rules. But like Keegan Rosenberry was there. Nice. Uh, who, uh, who else? A couple other guys. But uh, Jonesy and, and Trusty are the first two guys out of the academy proper, I guess you could say. Gotcha. Um, and they're definitely uh, what about putting him? some some feathers in the cap of the Academy for sure. Is Lee Wynn a local guy or no? Uh, no, not, no. Gotcha. no. I was just trying to think of more kind of young guys. Jeff Lawrence how it's is, is super local, but he's, he's way old for the Academy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Cool. Well, that sounds like a really good Academy. We've been around longer, but it sounds like you guys are actually a couple steps ahead of us in a couple of those areas. So we are, but it's a little different, you know, cause because we have the, and I know a little bit about your academy system because you were you talked about it a couple months ago, um, which and, and it's amazing for you guys, especially being a lower level team that doesn't have an MLS, hmm. you know, where that can kind of be your feeder, so you don't have to, you know, the, the scouting and everything. You can kind of cultivate your guys locally, and then it draws fan base and all, all that stuff. Um, but yeah, it's, it's one of those things where I think you see a lot of teams like, uh, notably like Red Bull two forever has had just a dumb, good Academy, um, FC Dallas out in the West, Los Angeles galaxy out in the West. Uh, it's one of those things where the better the academies are in MLS, the better the national teams get, the better, you know, just American game grows so much, uh, with these academies. But that's a whole other thing. I know. I could I could riff on that for way <laughs> too long. I'm not even going to try. I think we already started. Yeah, we did. But we're going to cut it off there. Let's actually kind of wrap it up here talking about um, the Open Cup because uh, you guys have a, a long history. St. Louis likes to brag about their right. you know history right. and blood, about you know all of that. But, but yeah, talk about your Open Cup history. I looked it up before you even told me about it on... Uh, <laughs> you know, our little forum that we talk on Slack. Right, right, right. Yep. And I couldn't believe I saw Bethlehem Steel listed there. Yes. So, uh, so and full disclaimer for everyone that, that gets, that's going to get confused. This is the original Bethlehem Steel from the early 1900s. 
This is not the same team. In fact, this team currently can't compete in the U.S. Open Cup because U.S. soccer thought it would be unfair for the winningest franchise in U.S. Open Cup history to, to compete again. <laughs> no, uh, no it's, uh, it's all the MLS2 teams can't compete, so we are one of those, so sure. we can't compete. But um, to answer your question, Bethlehem Steel 1.0 uh, won something stupid like five Open Cups, I, I think, uh, like way back in the day. Uh, they're the, the winningest uh, franchise in U.S. Open Cup history. They have the most Open Cups. Um, and it, it's it's just really cool because it's, it's you know, an old steel town, uh, hence the name. They were the, the largest producer of steel in the United States for a long time. Um, and the, the plant actually, that's, uh, maybe like 10 minutes from the stadium, um, that now houses like the local PBS channel and a bunch of other stuff, hmm. um, or well, not inside the plant, but it, you can, you know, like right next to the steel stacks, uh, stayed open until like 1994, something like that. Wow. Um, but the union really liked to tap into the history of the club. It also makes for some really, really good looking alternate jerseys because they use black and white with red. Um, nice. And that's just it's 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 good. Um, but they, they they really like to tap into the history of that club because they have it. I guess they, they bought the rights from uh, the actual Bethlehem Steel Company. Um, and now they're they're using that. So, yeah, it's it's really interesting. It's it's this whole history that I cannot do justice in the slightest. So if people want to find that out. Definitely give it a Google. Um, it's it's a really cool piece of American soccer history. And um it's it's nice that Bethlehem Steel FC 2.0 is kind of able to uh, to to be playing soccer in the Lehigh Valley again. Yeah, that's cool. I I always wondered where the name came from, so it makes sense that it's a company because same with the St. Louis clubs that did well in the in the right. Open Cup. They were all yeah, named yeah. after companies that sponsored it's, them. So. You know, it's it's legitimately like if you look up Bethlehem Steel and you see the logo with the I beam that says Bethlehem Steel, that's literally just the logo for the steel company. That's so not something cool. they made for the uh, the team. Yeah, and uh, all the all the retro union stuff have the, the, uh, that logo on the, uh, on the inside of it. And then the, the I beam and the Bethlehem logos, the Bethlehem beam actually. So good stuff. Yeah. 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 Very cool. Well, is there anything else you wanted to cover before we, we take off here? Uh, I, should we, should we do, should we do predictions? Yeah. You guys have like one of my favorite strikers in Christian Valeski. And I saw that, um, Jose Barril isn't necessarily excited to be playing there or something. Cause he has so many red cards. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, no, he, uh, well, it was a running joke on Eastern Conference Confidential that every week we would we would compare who had more red cards, FC Cincinnati or Jose Barril. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, boy. I take digs whenever I can. I like uh, it. No, uh, you know, uh, Corey Burke isn't going to be there, so I'd expect uh, I'd expect Nanco and, and Epps out in the wings or, or Epps and more. Um, depending, it's just weird because whenever I try to predict lineups, it ends up not happening just because of the amount of moving parts. Uh, I know last week against Ottawa, we fielded seven guys from the union, yeah. uh, including John McCarthy. So that's impossible um, to guess. It's, it's hard. I, I just stopped trying at some point last year. Uh, I don't know, man, you guys, it's, it's a solid team. Um, I'm really scared of Christian Valeski because I, I think he's one of those guys like a Corey Herzog or, or a couple other guys in the league that, you know, have kind of proven they can score at any level. Um, and with the, with the young back line, sometimes it kind of makes me wonder if, uh, if this is the week we open the floodgates, so to speak. Um, that being said, I, I like my team, so I'll go with the two to one victory for us, uh, in the first ever meeting. But that being said, I'm really just looking forward to playing a new team for the first time again. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm excited to see what you guys look like. Um, it's always fun to kind of figure out a team and see what they look like the first time. I think I'm going to guess, you know, I've noticed throughout the year the the defense can open floodgates a little bit. And uh, when we're at home, for some reason, Precky's teams typically don't defend well. But for some reason, you start looking at like goals let up and clean sheets and things. I don't know why we're looking like a defensive team if you look at mm. score lines. Um, mm-hmm. So I think I will say, since you're minus Corey Burke, pop, probably, let's say 90% chance right. of that. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say 3-1 to one St. Louis because, okay. um, you know, things things click when we're at home, just not away. So Fair enough. <laughs> cool, man. Um, Eastern, Eastern Conference could... Uh, Oh my gosh, everyone it's, trips over it and I was gonna be one. I was gonna I, try to be the guy that didn't. I, I got you. So uh if if you're I'm, I'm gonna shamelessly plug myself now. Please do. Uh if you're looking for my podcast that I record with the uh, with Brendan Doherty, who writes about the Rochester Rhinos for Ben Musket and Ryan Allen, who does a bunch of stats things that no one in any way, shape, or form can begin to understand other than himself. Uh, for for Indomitable City Soccer. You can find us uh, Eastern Conference Confidential. It's at ECC Pod. We're also a part of the the same network of podcasts. So if you already go to BGN.FM to check out Phil's stuff, you can totally find us there too. I won't be offended. Uh, Personally, if you want to follow me for whatever reason, like maybe you like what I have to say but don't like my voice, also totally fine. It's at Valella. It's V's and Victor, I-L-L-E-L-L-A-B-S-F-C, like the club that I cover, on Twitter. Um, and then I'm over on the brotherly game writing about this team at least twice a week. So um. good stuff. I quote you guys all the time. I'm constantly talking about how you guys mentioned something about a certain team. And um, I love listening to your podcast because you just you, you do a good job covering all the teams and, and, and generally getting you know, information out that I don't know offhand. I can just listen to you guys. So I am uh, so spoiled that I get to talk to those guys recording once a week and then just kind of in general throughout the week. Um, and I mean, I could, I could say that about everybody else on this network. Cause I uh-huh. think, you know, up and down, you look at everybody we have and it's like, this is crazy. Um, there's, and that's, that's one of the reasons why I, I love working for brotherly game. I say working it's, it's, you know, uh, <laughs> the experience for the brotherly game, but yeah. it's, it's that, you know, between, the podcast network and then the SB nation and everything. I have just this stupid amount of knowledge at my fingertips that, you know, I can ask for something and I get it. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, thank you for the kind words, but it's, it's really, you know, uh, not just me. It's, it's Brendan, it's Ryan, it's you, it's Mike sparks. It's, uh, the unused subs guys, you know, everyone, um, in the lower levels just makes it so easy to, to get information about other teams because we're all working for the same goal. And that's just kind of to, to, you know, advance the fan bases and, and USL as a league. So I completely agree. It's, you know, and if you have a job where you can listen to things all day, it's just the best way to glean general knowledge about USL from all these yep. podcasts. So we do all the hard work so that other people can make it seem like they know everything. Yeah, but we also get to feel good about talking and listening to ourselves. You know, it's true. Sort of we well, see, Phil, what it comes down to. Right. And I know you probably haven't said this before on your podcast, but I'll do it for you. Is we're really all just super conceited. Oh, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I mean, I like to declare that I am the best there is in soccer podcasting. And so, okay. you know, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People all over the world have heard of me. Yeah. I'm really good at my job. None of this is true. They, 
people all over the world have heard you maybe yeah right. uh, but uh you know cool well bill thank you uh so much for having me on yeah, um man. looking for... forward to the game on sunday and uh don't be a stranger yeah, sure. i know well i i think i want to start doing a quick recap so i don't know like if, yeah. if you're available really shortly hey, after that game i might just call you and get a recording of immediate takes sort of thing okay I yeah cool. uh i i know like early pulling back the curtain i know early sunday i'm out of out of first communion um but i i think i should be good for the game and then after it for sure so feel free to, to hit me up and we can uh chat immediately after all right man good stuff we'll talk to you soon yep okay welcome back one more time uh we're gonna talk a little bit about the toronto game that we just had um previously um i think that what was that a friday night game it was yeah um, I just watched it and, and tried to take as many notes as I could, but it was nice to see Mark Pace in goal. Um, it was really nice to see him making some good saves. It was also nice to see that he was actually pulled up by the senior team, Toronto FC, as the second goalkeeper. He seems to be third in line normally, but I think they lost their second keeper for some reason, or they just wanted to try him out with the first team. But he was the backup for Toronto. Um, which is saying something is pretty great um, that, you know, maybe we were bad the last two seasons, but, you know, the scouting isn't off necessarily. We have talent, talented guys on, on those squads and talented guys coming out of the St. Louis area. Mark Pace is someone that St. Louis should be very proud of in his in his talent level and his work ethic. And obviously the guy's just a good a good dude. So um, fun to watch him. Fun to see him doing well. The first uh, St. Louis FC um, signee, uh, professional signee or alum to go to the top level in the United States after playing for St. Louis FC. So that's something to be of note as well. Um, okay, so we talked about pace here. Let's talk about AJ Cochran. AJ got his uh, first goal in regular season play. He got one in um, uh, against FC Wichita as well. And so he's getting some of those set piece goals that, that we expect from a center back of his stature, um, and talent. Um, something else I wanted to say about AJ is that I've been a little bit, um, not mean. I don't think it's mean, but it just, I've been noticing how he struggles in this system. He was just made for a team that sits back like, like St. Louis had the last two seasons. Uh, really talented center back, really good in the air, but um, he was he was struggling with the ball at his feet, which is something that's demanded of him from Preki um, early in the season. And I would say all the way up to even two weeks ago, he was still not looking super comfortable with the ball at his feet moving forward. In this game, I don't know if Toronto gave him more space or he's just getting calmer with the ball at his feet, but he's able to dribble forward and not just launch the ball long to the closest thing in, in his peripheral vision that he can see at distance. Um, he's moving forward and he's picking out passes. You know, some of those are getting pretty distant, but he's not launching it in the air. He's keeping it mostly on the ground and he looks calm. He's able to look for the guy he wants to send it to. So props to AJ looking really good. And obviously props to Cabaceta 
who I meant to look up his stats, but if you look up his stats for that last game, the amount of, of, of balls blocked, amount of balls, um, aerial battles won, his stats were killer in this game. And um, I am going to toot my own horn right now. I've been saying all season that he's the best defender we have, and I think that just proves it right there. Um, he had such a good game, so many good saves. My, my favorite one was when um, it was in the first half, I think in the 20 or 30-something minute, um, one of those 20 minutes. Uh, but he, he um, one of the Toronto attackers on, on the right wing, I believe, was really dangerous and, and kind of faked out um, Aiden Stanley and got by A.J. Cochran as well. And Cabalceta saw it, he read it, and he saw that he was going to get by, and he, he jumped in front of that shot and defended it away um, in time. And, and the guy to his right was, I don't think he was covered um, perfectly, but he just positioned himself in a way that, that took away the options for that, that uh, attacker to just shoot, and he was able to block it away. So um, Cabalceta looking very good, looking healthy after his knee surgery. Every time he goes down, it makes me nervous, though. And he's had he had a couple times he went down. Um, one was, you know, he took a ball to the head, which is not knee-related, but still, it's not good to see those guys going down like that. Um, so um, I wanted to also talk about Aiden Stanley. He was gone early in the season on an, a U18, um, U18 tournament in Croatia, I believe, um, or Serbia. I believe it's Croatia, though. Um, I still, I, it's hard to find stats and information on those games, but I know the team did pretty well. He was the captain for the team. He plays center back for that age group on the national level. Um, and so, you know, he didn't play much in the beginning of the year. And I thought at first that maybe he was, um, out of favor, not playing well, but he's been getting a lot of minutes, um, playing with, with Charpie on the other side. And, um, I just wanted to take a couple seconds to note that, his defensive positioning with, you know, not to mention a couple of the young guy mistakes that he will make, like he did get juked. So did AJ, but, um, in that play, um, but his positioning, his defensive positioning is very, very good. I think he's very good as a left back, a defensive minded left back for us. Um, going forward, he has a good cross. Um, he had a couple bad ones in his, in his first game, uh, toward Valeski where Valeski seemed to get upset with, the amount, maybe the amount of crosses, maybe the inaccuracy of the crosses. Maybe he uh, expects Aiden to know exactly how he likes it. Um, maybe Aiden knows and was still not hitting those points. So, um, but normally his crosses are good. He's had several good ones since that first game back. Um, and he's been getting minutes, just a couple, like I said, young guy kind of mistakes. Um, young guy, just a, a guy who's not USL super experienced at this point. Um, kind of mistakes. So, uh, but you know, he's 17, he might be 18 now. He's looking good for that age, and it's fun to watch the young guys get time. Um, we haven't seen uh, Nietzsche Vlastos, we haven't seen um, uh, Kid. Uh, why am I blanking on his first name? We haven't seen um, Matt Marr. Um, is that I think it's Matt Marr, who is also an academy signing, Mateo Kid. Um, but Mar did get some time with the under 23 team, the St. Louis FC. So maybe those guys will get more time, um, later in the season. Let's hope. 
if we clinch, <laughs> it would be really nice. Uh, maybe not though. Um, I know a lot of them got some good time in preseason and they're still training with the team. So all good things there. Um, all right, let's talk a tiny bit about, um, Amir Alahidovich. Alahidovich, I think is how you would pronounce that. That's my best guess. I don't have proof that that's good. Uh, but I've mentioned him before. St. Louis guy, Scott Gallagher guy, uh, Bosnian heritage, was drafted by Seattle Sounders 2, must have been released, and has been in camp from the beginning for St. Louis FC. Didn't get any playing time until, um, I believe, against FC Wichita, he got a lot of playing time. I thought he looked good in that game, one of our better midfielders, I, I believe, in that game. And it's a guy that can play central midfield and wing. Um, he does seem to be defensive-minded, is able to uh, connect a lot of passes, uh, a fit guy, a guy that can be in maybe a little bit more forward thinking than uh, Tony Walls, who Tony Walls seems to be acting as, as more of an enforcer who uh, can still move quickly to get to, you know, to, to press the back line. Um, so, you know, we're getting more guys in with the injury to um, Milan, or not Milan, to Ivan uh, Mirkovic. So um, all these midfielders getting time, seeing Preki use them in different roles. Um, so they all seem to have roles. I just described kind of how I see Tony Walls and, um, and Amir. Um, Tyler David seems to come in as the closer for sure. Um, he's also a guy who has some attacking smarts. He grew up playing striker. His dad is a striker from Trinidad and Tobago, and I think still holds records for goal scoring in the NASL um, when NASL was the top league in the United States. Um, so he's got those soccer smarts. I think we've all, it's been very obvious that he's got those. Um, but we'll put him up top to get some headers. He'll make random runs, even playing as a number six. He'll make random runs in the box that are just really smart give-and-go kind of moves with good runs following. Um, and obviously, he's really good at picking out passes. So we're seeing him play that kind of role, mostly as a closer, also someone who can um, be uh, use his height and body as an advantage, uh, especially against smaller clubs. Um, but, you know, we saw at the end of this game, um, Preki took out Angulo, who didn't have as good a game as usual, had the assist to Valeski that was gorgeous, actually, um, but pulled Angulo, got his yellow card for taking his time coming off, but it was a Valeski alone up top, and then we had the four midfielders, and then right under the mid midfielders was just Tony Walls just being that enforcer right ahead of the back four. And so, yeah, we got to see a bit of a 4-1-4-1 at the end to kind of shut down the game once we got two goals. Um, and still, you know, they were still attacking at opportune times, but for the most part, they were possessing the ball, keeping it away from Toronto and um, defending things away as often as possible. So basically, the guys put it away. Tactics were solid. At home, we look like just a totally different team. The press works better. We will get more turnovers in the midfield and, and, and push immediately when that happens. Um for some reason, Valeski seems to look better at home. Uh, we don't see Angulo having to take matters into his own hand and make these and make these long shots from distance. Um, we are seeing him come back. And so I think my only 
At home, my only complaint is I wish I could see some more 1v1 battles won in the attack. But I just wonder, you know, we don't really play with a number 10 typically unless we see Dalgard or Bjurman under a lone striker. Sometimes we'll see that. And then we will see a little bit of 1v1 happening. But we just don't play with a number 10 typically. Play with a lot of sixes and, and maybe some box-to-box -box kind of players. Um in the in the in central midfield and so i feel like that's part of the problem valeski also he's just not a 1v1 guy you see valeski trying to move around guys and it almost never happens unless he's on the run on a quick run he can make a really good touch here or there get around a guy and score we've seen that early in the season he's very good at that but you stand up valeski and he has a hard time getting past his defenders and then same problem as I mentioned before. If if there's not someone for him to use as an outlet, someone making a run or someone for him to kind of turn to the side and send it to the ball to the side, if he's alone up top and no one's making any runs or no one's making themselves available to him, it's like nine out of ten times it's going to get defended away um, and, and then the ball's going the other way. So Valeski, I have a feeling maybe that's part of his cold streak is is not just him getting shut down. It's just we're not feeding the ball uh, the way that he likes it, which he said early on that he likes the ball on the ground. He likes pressing the back line. He's doing a good job doing those things um, when they happen. But, you know, these balls over the top, he's not a guy that can take take the game into his own hands with these long strikes from distance like Angulo can. And so I think that's why we're seeing Angulo doing well away, Boleski doing well at home, because I think the difference, in my opinion, is in that creamy part of the Oreo, that midfield that isn't able to get that ball forward around the defense and into the box for that final pass on the ground as often when we're away. Seeing a lot more balls in the air. So maybe if we start counterattacking more, like I mentioned before, we might be able to see Valeski take uh, control in that way. Another guy we haven't been seeing is Alvarez, who also does well on the counterattack. So, um, you know, those are just some more thoughts. I'm going to look at my notes here and see if anything else we need to talk about. That's pretty much everything. I tried to talk quickly, tried to keep things rolling here so we don't go too long. We're at 55 minutes. I think it's good to call it, everybody. Um, I didn't talk about the Chicago Fire because we have more time to talk about it, and I'd rather talk to Spencer about it. So Sunday we got the Bethlehem Steel game coming up, and then next Wednesday we're playing Chicago Fire, everybody. Sebastian Schweinsteiger? Who knows? This guy says no, but you're going to hear about that next week. So definitely tune in next week for more talk about Open Cup. We will recap the Bethlehem Steel game. Hopefully the Bethlehem Steel win for St. Louis FC. And uh, we'll go from there. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And I'll talk at you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the STL Soccer Report, brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, BGN.FM, and STLSoccerReport.com. If you have any questions you'd like read on air, please send them to STLSoccerReport at gmail.com.